This episode is sponsored by Packed Bags. Use code WANDERS20 when checking out with the Packed One or the Packed Travel Backpack. So welcome back to the Life and Van podcast. I am Chris um, and today I am joined by Jack. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I am so friggin' excited. First of all, thank you for reading my message when I was like, I would really, 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 really like to chat with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a little, a little forward, um, but thank you for being so, so cool about it and and wanting to chat with me about life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I was like, I was just, just saying, I think uh, sharing story is like incredibly important, whether it's personal or adventure, all that fun stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's super impactful, even just with like everyone's different walks of life. Right. I think the thing that has helped me a lot too, just with understanding where other people are coming from is just sharing and kind of the struggles a little bit and just hearing more of like how they overcame that, how they have become the person that they are now, what has changed in terms of how they're going to lead their life moving forward. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. So I, I want to know, I want to know about you, obviously. I, I checked out, I actually, the post that I first, um, cause we've been following each other, but I found that there was a post specifically that I had read that came up in my my feed mm -hmm. and it was um specifically no one gives I think a shit about your trauma no, no one gives a fuck about your trauma there yeah. we go yeah and it was I have it written here because I like wrote so many things that like oh yeah so no one gives a fuck about your traumas yeah that like like I'm reading it I'm like wait what <laughs> I'm like nobody and I'm reading it. And I think that was the first time that I actually was like, holy shit. Yeah. And I think they commented. It, it literally made me stop, read. Your words just resonated with me so much. And then when I went onto your blog, I saw where I think that snippet had kind of come from where you had actually written out, like, you know, no one gives a fuck about your traumas. Like no one gave a shit when you walked again. And like yeah. you kind of, you went through that. And I want, I would love to hear about your journey and everything that's happened. Yeah. So that piece, I got a lot like, that was I, like, I try to write usually like one or two a week and sometimes they like hit the mark. And sometimes it's, I'm literally just writing for me. Like at the end of the day, like the way I write is how I speak and it hits the mark or it like pisses people off. <laughs> um, and that piece specifically uh, I think I got probably 30 plus messages from a multitude of different people and a lot of shares from it, which was really cool. Um, but I just wrote it because I, I like, I am balls deep for lack of a better description in training for some big mountains, mountain objectives. And I was just like thinking, I was like, I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of journaling. Um, and I was doing some reflection. I was like, no one gives a fuck that I walked again. And I, I had, I held that belief um, basically since I got to the hospital back in 2018. But let's, before we kind of dive into that, let's mm -hmm. give a little bit of background, right? Yes, um, yes. So um, 
I've done a few podcasts. Generally, here's I'll give you like the high level like synopsis. But um, back in 2018, uh, I was in real estate, like doing digital marketing, real estate. So like living the good real estate, like financial life, right? Like working 20 hours a week and making way too much money. Yeah. And then then going to school full-time at San Diego State. Um, and then I was training jujitsu and surfing every single waking hour that I wasn't working and or going to school. Um, and so I grew up in Southern California in San Diego. Um, very, I'll be the first to tell you, very silver spoon life. Um, you know, I, I like to say we all have our struggles, but sometimes, you know, some people have more struggles going, growing up than others. I didn't have a lot of struggles growing up. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up surfing, grew up diving, grew up wrestling, fighting, jujitsu, like all that stuff. Um, combat sports has always been a huge part of my life. I have been following it since, I don't know, I have I probably like 14. So I, I don't watch any other sports except like MMA and grappling, right? And so um, having done that for such a long time, I got into jujitsu in Nicaragua back in 2015. So I was a professional surf guide at the time and was doing surf guiding and then working as like a, a bus or server at this um, Brazilian owned camp. And so that's kind of when I was like first exposed to Brazilian jujitsu. Um, and there was a black belt that stayed at the camp, right? Because surfing and jujitsu are like kind of go hand in hand with Brazilian culture and also with like Southern California culture. It's like if you surf and you want to be in shape, you probably do jujitsu too outside of surfing in San Diego. And it's the same way in Brazil. Um, and so, yeah, I just, there was a resident black belt at the camp because when people got in from surfing, they trained jujitsu. All the Brazilians would train jujitsu, which is like, the coolest thing ever to me yet. I was a 19 year old kid, ignorant to the ways of the world. Never, I'd like, I traveled to Mexico extensively to like go surf and, and whatnot. But, you know, I grew up in white suburbia. <laughs> so my, my perspective of other cultures, other people um, was not there. And I was an arrogant little fuck. Um, and I was also a very large six, three, bodybuilding type of guy so like I didn't think anyone would fuck with me and then I, I started training jiu-jitsu down there and I was like wow I, I remember distinctly going I fucking suck at this like I should probably get better at it right um and so fast forward um I got home and I, I started taking some classes I joined like the grappling club at San Diego State um my buddies started training with me um and basically just made it my life like surfing jujitsu and working in real estate at the time was like my my go-to thing um and november 29th 2018 so roughly two two-ish years of consistent training more or less um uh but yeah november 29th 2018 i i went to uh, the noon class at my gym at the time, right? Um, it was a day like any other. Uh, I woke up that morning. I, I went on my daily surf check on, up the coast of North County, San Diego, and was like, all right, the waves look like shit. <laughs> like, 
I'm going to go get my morning coffee because I buy, I have a horrible coffee at it. Right. Um, I don't, I, do you have, are you a big coffee drinker? I'm not, no. And I'm so grateful only because I see how it affects everybody around me. And they wake up in the morning. And it's like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I don't want to converse. I need coffee in my body. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. So I'm actually not like that. Like okay. I, I wake up with quite a bit of energy, but like, um, I'm a huge morning person. Like I'll, I'll be up at like probably 445 tomorrow. Um, but I just, I love really good coffee. And so, um, that's the coffee. We don't have to get in the coffee story. There's a whole, there's a whole nother story around why I got into it. But, um, yeah, I went to go after the surf check. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the, the local coffee shop, say what's up to the boys, drove in, had my morning coffee, wrote my morning notes over coffee. Um, and I like, I checked my calendar. I checked my school schedule and I was like, uh, like I'm three and a half weeks away from finals. Like I don't, I've been studying. I don't really need to do anything today. I checked my work schedules. Like, ah, I really got nothing going. I was like, it's a free day today. Like <laughs> it's like almost about to graduate. Right. Um, and so like, all right, like spend the morning, go back to my, my house that I was living with in at the time or living in at the time. And, um, I, it hit like, I think it was like 10, 30, 10, 45 is like kind of just doing the death scroll on whatever bullshit was on my phone. And I was like, and yeah. And I was like, uh, I was like, all right, I need to go train. Like I need to get training in today. So I haven't, I haven't gone to the noon jujitsu class in a while. Um, I'm going to go. And so, uh, yeah, I, I showed up to the noon jujitsu class. It was no gi, which basically means like you're in a rash guard and you're in like short shorts. <laughs> um, and uh, I, at the time, in terms of jiu-jitsu, I was competing every month, basically, like a lot. Um, and I, like I was work, lifting weights, like I said, lifting weights too, which is just crazy to think about. Training jiu-jitsu and surfing, on school and work, six days a week. <laughs> so God, yeah, I, I can just, hardly function with like the most basic schedule, and you're telling me this is what you were doing. I, I yeah. can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. And so um, we go through the standard like warmups, right? And um, we go, it hits about like 12 30, in the class, right? Because each class is an hour. Um, and the instructor at the time was like, oh, like we're going to do some sparring rounds, right? And so because I was competing so much at the time, my pace, like my intensity, like everything was that much higher than like the average person. And so for lack of a better word, you don't want to put somebody who's going to tear somebody else's head off with like with less experience, right? Like, so I got paired up with the more advanced students very often. And so, um, which basically means like purple belts, brown belts, black belts. And I was a white belt at the time. Realistically, I should have been a blue belt, but I did some gym switching and like, there's this weird alliance thing in, in jujitsu culture where it's like, you have to stay at one gym to get promoted it's it's dumb like my, my skill level was probably a little bit higher than the average per like white belt at the time mm -hmm. um and so i got paired up with the instructor multiple times right and i think it was like our, our second or third go and um basically he i was in a, a defensive position kind of like this like on all fours on the mat um and he basically put his neck, his neck, his knee 
into the back of my neck and torqued me over, which broke my neck, right? Um, one, an instructor should never, ever, ever harm a student, right? Um, like ever, an instructor typically has 10 plus years of experience um, versus like my two, two and a half or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, he basically put his knee in the back of my neck and then tried to torque me over forcefully. And that crushed, uh, crushed my neck. And as, as I rolled over, basically, um, you know, you hear, you heard this like loud crack. And I, I tell everyone this, like, you know what a, a tree sounds like when it breaks, like when you're chopping it down, it's like that last, like, yeah. that's what your neck sounds like when it breaks. Like, yeah, it's pretty heavy. And, uh, immediately um this like warm flushing feeling through my entire body uh like getting into a really hot tub and like all your blood was just comes like right and um immediately like the first thought i had whether this was a reactionary coping mechanism or just my first thought process was one i'm going to be okay right and then two Oh fuck! I can't move. <laughs> um, and I like I can laugh. Like I've been able to laugh about this pretty much since the after the fast past like or the first two months. But um, yeah, oh like oh fuck! I can't move. And then everything stopped, right? And everything kind of went in slow motion. Um, the ambulance was ambulance was called. Um, they come in. They strip me down on the mat. Cut my clothes off. Stabilize my neck. Um, and then, and I was like going through breathing exercises at the time. Like, like I grew up free diving, right? And those diaphragmatic breaths are really important in free diving. And so like free diving from a, a meditation standpoint and like a health and like a mental focus standpoint, I did that class back in like 2011, 2012, changed my life forever. And it's honestly probably one of the reasons I was able to like stay so calm at the time. Um, and so I'm like pretty freaked out. I get carted into the back of the ambulance, right? Um, and I remember it was this giant ginger EMT, right? And he had he had a mustache way better than mine. Mine's still <laughs> mine's still growing right now. Needs like another like two or three weeks. But um, I remember just looking up at this dude and I was like, I was like, am I gonna walk again? Like, am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna be okay? And like that's when I started like panic a little bit and I was like trying to keep it under control. But I, I remember I started to cry um, and he didn't say a fucking word to me. Like doesn't say anything. Um, and so I get carted to the ICU probably like 15, 20 minutes away. Uh, immediately my mom and my dad are on either side. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. And they're like, like this wasn't your fault. <laughs> But it's it's a shock reaction, right? Um, and everything starts to become a blur. But uh, the next thing I know, I'm like on a hospital bed, and this doctor Yuan or Wang or whatever, this little Asian doctor comes in, and he he looks at me. He's like, "Hi, Jack. Like I'm I'm Doctor So and So. Um, I, you've broken your neck at C four and C five. Um, you have quadriplegia." you're paralyzed from the neck down and you have some internal bleeding going on. Uh, and I was like, okay. Like, and he's like, I, I don't remember specifically what I said, but then the next thing you know, my dad's like right there. Right. And he kind of like walks out 
and I look at my dad and I'm like, dad, like we need to start recording this. Like, this is kind of a big deal. And we need to let my, like let family and friends know what happened. And um, I distinct, my dad pulls his cell phone out and my dad's very, <laughs> my dad doesn't like swearing. He doesn't like, like, I'm pretty, I'm sure you've seen some of my posts. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm very fiery. <laughs> like I'll tell it how it is. And I, I swear like a sailor. Um, and I just remember looking at him. I was like, all right, like fucking send it. And he just hits record. I was like, Hey guys, um, I'm a little fucked up right now. I, I've broken my neck at C4 and C5. Uh, I'm paralyzed from the neck down, but I'll be walking again in six months. And then dad hits and record. And then it goes out to my Instagram. It goes out to like a bunch of text messages. Um, and at the time, no one had any fucking idea, right? So um, next thing, after that, a nurse comes in and I think the doctor or the nurse, nurse assistant came back in. I was like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna drill into the side of your head. We can't give you any painkiller, but we have to do what's called traction. And so it basically means they pull your head out of your spinal column to relieve pressure off the spinal cord, right? And I was like, okay, sounds good. Um, like, right. Did it sound good? Because I would have been like, holy fuck. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I, like I, I think I credit my mom for this. I, both my mom and I, which is kind of crazy, share the same scars on the back of our neck. So like my mom has had stenosis back in the early 2000s, which is thinning of the, of the cervical column. And so she had to have her neck fused in the same exact area that I had my neck fused, which is just like- That's so insane. Absolutely wild. But I got my pain tolerance from my mom. Like my mom grew up like hardcore gym athlete, like, she's on the stair stepper at 4am doing an hour plus. Right. And so I got that work ethic and that like pain. You've seen and, some similarities for sure. Yeah, yeah, some pain tolerance and like that, the work ethic from her for sure. Like she came from dirt, right? Like nothing school, hard knocks grew up in the hood, like that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, they started drilling in my head. Right. And <laughs> They're like, all right, we're going to put weights on. And it's like basically counterweighting my, my head and my neck. And they go like two, like four, like 10. And then I get to like 20. I think it hit like, I distinctly remember it was like 28 or 29 pounds of like upward momentum of like, and these screws on the side of my head. And I saw pain for the first time. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen pain before. Um, but it basically, it's pretty distinct. <laughs> yeah. It's very distinct. And I just remember seeing like pink blotches and like yeah. fuzzies going all across like my field, like field of vision. And I was like, I think I'm in pain. And they're like, say no more. And this nurse, this ball nurse, I remember just takes lidocaine. He doesn't just blast my head with them. Like four, like four or five of them all across my head. Um, it's like, I just remember thinking, I was like, this is wild. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Um, but fast, like, we, I'm just covering the first day because we could talk for five hours about everything else after. But um, I kind of go out 
And then I come back to probably like five, 10, 15 minutes later, whatever it is in the hospital room, right? And at the time, this was relayed to me like a year later by my nurse, who is now my best friend, right? His name is Justin. Um, we talk almost every day. I, he knows literally everything about me and I know everything about him more or less. Um, but I remember he told me that I'd been telling him all afternoon that something was wrong. I was like, I think there's something really off here. Um, I don't feel well. He's like, well, you're paralyzed, but your vitals check out like all this stuff. Right. I was like, no, dude, like something's really, really wrong here. Like, so fast forward kind of like into the evening and into the night. Um, I just kept telling him, I was like, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. Um, and he, he would per, per what he said, he's like, I checked your vitals and you know, you look good. Um, so around 1230, between 1230 and 1am, um, I basically woke up from sleep or whatever drug induced state I was in screaming bloody murder being like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Right. Um, and so he just happened to be sitting like across the hall, like 20 feet away. But I basically, after screaming all this stuff out, I became incapacitated, right? Um, and so he rushes in um, and he couldn't revive me, like couldn't bring me back. So basically I was stroking out. So I was having multiple strokes at the time. So what happened was the, vert the vertebrae lacerated one of my vertebral arteries, right? There's two vertebral arteries that go to the brain. Um, one of them basically was cut and was pooling blood and those clots have been like pooling all day and then passed through my brain. So that's what led to me being incapacitated. Um, they operated for nine hours. They removed all the blood clots, but basically they didn't know after they took me out of a medical coma. One, you know, I'm already paralyzed, but like I could also be a vegetable. Like yeah. couldn't, I may not have a personality anymore. I may, I may have like half my face, like just no, no idea. Um, and yeah, at another point, my mom came in around 3 a.m. that morning, surgeon comes in, right? And this, my mom relayed to this, the surgeon's like, hey, like your son's had a stroke. We've done everything to save his brain. His brain looks okay for right now. Um, we're doing everything we can now to like save his organs and his limbs, right? Um, so I was basically dead. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I was dead for probably a few minutes, but, um, they, my mom's like, okay, okay. Like, I guess like, okay, wow. And then the surgeon literally looks my mom dead in the eye and was like, I have to go in and save your son's life. And then went back into the OR for another like five or six hours or whatever it was. Um, and so began the loss of literally everything. I lost the ability to, to breathe. I, I was paralyzed from the neck down. I, no bladder, no bowels, nothing, no temperature regulation, uh, um, no feeling anywhere in my body. Uh, what else? I was, yeah, it was, it was worst case scenario. Like I was dead basically, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's basically the, like the high level of like the first 24 hours of, you know, this whole uh, epic, so to speak. But uh, I, I know I just kind of like 
talked your ear off for no, 20 minutes. No, like that. I, so I had read your article um, discussing what happened, like going, really going into it. And I remember sitting there and just being so fucking mind blown. Like, because I, I see you now. I see you now and you are not that person in the, in the, in the photos I saw, you know what I mean? Like you, you're, you're walking, you are climbing, you are doing fucking incredible things. And like, I think my, my question is like, you made this really great point of, you know, you kind of had that like silver spoon, like growing up and, and, and life was good. Like you were doing some really cool shit. I I was living a very, very good life that, my parents kind of set the, the groundwork for, and then yeah. I just, I just ran with it and yeah. I was able to start creating my own life. Right. So then the biggest, and again, I can only, I've never been in a position where I have had that kind of life altering, you know, where I've actually right. been physically, like I, I physically may not be able to do the things that I love anymore. Right. 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 So I want if, and if you can put it into words, what happened in your mind when everything kind of started to make sense and you were faced with this new reality? How did that change you and your outlook on life? Um, I, there's a whole bunch of events prior to everything happening that were definitely like formative events. Like when I lived in Nicaragua, like that was a massive event for me. Um, there's some psychedelic trips in there prior as well. Uh, but at, at the time, I just had it in my head. I was like, and I say it in my blog post, I was like, come hell or high water, like, like I'm going to make this happen. And no one, literally no one believed that I would walk again, right? No, like they knew I, they knew I had an incomplete spinal cord injury, right? That's the reason I can walk. If I was complete, everything like where I'm pointing on my neck, like basically above the collarbone would be gone. If it was a complete injury to some degree, more or less, but I would not be walking. I would not be driving the way I do. I would not have, I would probably have an assisted like. Yeah. Live in. uh, Yeah. Live in assistant. Um, but yeah, I just, I had it in my head. I was like, I'm, there was that first thought I mentioned earlier. I was like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and I think I said, I like, I think I said it in the, no one gives a fuck about your trauma piece. It's like, or no, you know what it was? It was, it was death and dating. Right. I read that and that's a whole different thing I want to get into because I like, I, yeah. Anyways. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but the point I, one of the points I made in that was when I meet somebody, whether it's platonic or romantic, right. I want to know that time when literally everything was stopped, stacked against them and they came out middle fingers placed into the entire world and said, fuck you. I'm going to go do this. Like you specifically said, cause I wrote it down because yeah. it, I, again, resonated with that so much. Cause even very different situations, but trauma nonetheless, and, yeah. and experiences nonetheless. And I resonated with what you had said, because it was exactly the same things that I look for in people. 
Mm. And it was specifically, (laughs) (laughs) where have you struggled? When did you have your brush with death? And when were you so broken and wanted to quit because your body was falling apart, but you pressed on? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's, um, that's what I look for in people. And you either have it or you don't. Or you're dead. <laughs> or, or you're dead. Um, okay. And I think that's where I struggle a lot with people because I like now, like more so now, where if you haven't had that, defi- like if you haven't had some sort of definitive experience, whether it's suicidal ideation, a, a medical, life threatening medical issue. Um, or you even attempt suicide or like you're raped or something like that. Like just go down the list of like shitty things to happen. Like you don't want those things to happen. Right. But, and want, and I'll rephrase it. No one gives a fuck that it happened. The stories that come from that and the experiences that come from that are worth their weight in gold. That's what everyone cares about. Like, I don't, I don't know, like you brought up ADHD when we first started talking, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know your life, right? I don't know what you've been through. I, I, I kind of went through some stuff and, you know, there might be some depression there and whatnot, mm-hmm. but like one of, the, it's all relative at the end of the day and then it's what you create from it, right? Because if you don't create anything from tragedy or shitty circumstances, no one cares. No one and cares. there's a lot of motivational speakers that, simply exist because i'm not going to name names here but like (laughs) like somebody was like oh i walked again and then like that's their thing yeah and i'm like like that's not not enough that's not enough like go do some gnarly shit yeah right like go really push the envelope in any way you can yeah like and you see that like if you're let's just use Let's use a, um, let's use Chris Nickish. Nick, Nickish. Um, he has Down syndrome, triathlete, Ironman. Like it, he has Down syndrome, right? And like, which is a whole slew of like neuro issues and focus and like functional stuff. Like, and he goes and do, does Ironman. He does his first Ironman, right? And he's like, yeah, you know what? That's not good enough. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do another one and he does it with this cognitive disability which I think is the most badass thing ever right he didn't just be like oh I have down syndrome I'm gonna talk about it no like he went and did an Iron Man and now he's doing other ones like that's fucked I think that's the most badass thing in the world and like when people go and do that um that's when they have my like everyone gets like the equal playing field of like respect but like when you go above and beyond of whatever it is you're dealing with, like that's when I'm like, okay, now I'm inspired, right? So I think it's what really comes out of the, it's like what what comes out of tragedy and what comes out of the ashes, right? It's like right. what are you able to? Because I I think and we've said this, it, it kind of feels like, and I feel it feels bad kind of saying this, but it's it's almost like a waste. It's like this thing has happened to you and most of the time, a lot of people just allow it to fucking destroy them, destroy them. And they just are a shell of a human and stay that way. And there is no movement to 
to try and overcome. And I know it is so much easier said than done. I have been there. I have been at the end of the line and I'm thinking, holy shit, this is not worth it anymore. Like I, I know, I know, but it's, but I look back at the person that I was before. And this is the one thing too, that I, you don't ever want these things to happen to people. And I, I have been like, again, no one gives a fuck about the trauma, but I've been assaulted. I've been in that position of vulnerability. And if I can say that anything that came from that was who I became as a person after that event Mm -hmm. and what I was able to harness and what I was able to tap into that I maybe didn't have access to Mm -hmm. prior. And also to look at the world and go like, shit, it bursts that bubble of everything is perfect. And, you know, I'm also very fortunate. I am like a white woman. Like I, I don't have a lot of like, you know, there's not a lot of detriments to being a white woman in the sense of I'm, I am very fortunate and I have a lot of things, you know, I don't have to worry about walking down the street necessarily, maybe at night, <laughs> but normally right. during the day, I'm okay. Um, right. So I, I grew up, you know, childhood was interesting and there was always some issues there, but I think I was still very fortunate to live a life where I, I did have people that loved me and cared for me. And, and then to have that bubble almost burst and you're forced to see the realities of the world and then, okay, well, what am I going to do with that? I need to do something yeah. pretty fucking phenomenal because who else is doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Who Like it's, who else is doing it and whatever you may be doing right it's like what let's like let's take the 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 gender the race thing out of it it's like at the end of the day like that bubble's gonna be burst at some point and like and well no it may it may never it may it may not be but like at some point life is gonna come at you and it's just going to kick the living fuck out of you. And it's what you do with that after, right? And as you said, like, you know, sometimes people just become shells of themselves and like don't know how to to work through it, to go to therapy, like all that stuff. And um, I, I said it, I remember, I think it was a weekish in, into the ICU and um, there was this girl I had dated earlier in, in that year. Mm-hmm. She comes in, she's like, bawling she's like I can't I can't imagine like and she went she shared some stuff with me when she moved to San Diego I was like I was like what like home yeah I can't I can't I can't talk about it publicly but yeah um some really fucked up shit and so she comes in like crying to me she's like I don't know how you're doing like dealing with this and like I don't know how you're going to get through this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, her name's Harmony. I was like, Harmony, like, I was cut out for this. And it was that frame of mind, right? Like, it's how I framed it when it happened. And then, like, how I continued to frame it in my mind. I was like, I was cut out for this. Like, I was not a professional athlete, but I was about as elite as you get in terms of being in shape. Like, I've done the work. I've done the the journaling. I've done the the meditating. Like I've art, like, I was like, if it was going to happen to anyone, I'd want it to happen to me because I don't think anyone else around me could handle what I'm handling right now. Right. Um, and 
it's that frame, like the mindset in which you frame tragedy is critical to creating something from it going forward. That's a really uh, like, oh, wow. wow. I, I can't, I can't believe write that. that down. <laughs> like, I'm going to totally forget. I have to listen to this again. Like, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth, but that's like, I got to write. Oh, fuck. Um, no, it's all good. It's all good. I'll, uh, we'll revisit that, but um, <laughs> that's that's a good piece right there. Uh, I need to write that and put it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the, the way in which you frame tragedy is going to create all the outcomes after that tragedy. Because tragedy can only go on for so long, right? Yeah. At some point, you can only be so broken before you say, fuck this and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps because you know no one else is going to do it for you um and some people don't that's the thing like when i was in the in the hospital out here in denver um doing my rehab and inpatient i can't tell you how many broken people i saw like absolutely families broken individuals broken um you know people who will never walk again who will never move their arms again missing parts of their head um like loss of all facial function like like tongue sticking out and drooling like from traumatic brain injuries like you think like i thought the spinal cord injury floor was gnarly at the hospital i was at and then you'd go to the third floor where the traumatic brain injury and like stroke floor was and it was a horror show um <laughs> just put it that way yeah. Uh, so yeah i just like yeah just the way in which you frame that will determine your outcome. And the issue, the issue is in the modern medical system, because they have to be so definitive, they can't give you a positive outlook. They have to be very realistic because there's tons of people that come into the hospital that I'm at, that I was at and are like, oh yeah, I'm going to walk again. And the doctor's like, you medically will never walk again. Right. Um, but my, in my case, like it was kind of just like a throw your hands up and like, maybe like, like, you hope, like we hope you do, but we have to prepare you for a life in a wheelchair and like an electric wheelchair, not even a manual wheelchair. Um, and I remember I, I went into, it was my evaluations, like two weeks in the inpatient stay at, at Craig hospital. And I sat down at a table with my PT and my OT and my social worker and my doctor and nurse, all the whole team and my whole family like everyone zoomed in and like, I had like half my family there in person, the other half like on call. And uh, I remember sitting at the edge of this table. Um, I'll never forget this. And I was like, I'm going to walk out of here in three months. And they're like, we hope you do, but we have to prepare you for reality. Right. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. Like you guys don't fucking understand. Like I had an, an injury six months prior where I, I tore my pec off, off the bone, which is like really, really painful. Um, and I, I was like, I, like, you guys don't understand, like my body heals way faster than the average person. Like, I just know it because I had the surgery, which is supposed to take five to six months to heal. I did in three. Right. So yeah. I'll, I, side note. Yeah. You to ask yourself how much of that is mindset yeah. versus genetic healing yeah. properties. Right. Um, I think there's like, there's components of both um, and also of age, right? Of course, but yeah. um, I was like, you like, I heal faster than a normal person and I'm going to walk out of here in three months. And, you know, 
like I said, we can cover the whole inpatient stay and a bazillion different stories. But th three months later, I, I walked into that room on crutches, on crutches, sat at that table by my own willpower, by my own muscle strength. And I, <laughs> I might start tearing up here. I sat at that table, everyone's smiling. And I was like, I fucking told you so. And they're like, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, and I, we have a picture, I have a picture buried in my phone somewhere on my parents' phone of me standing at that same chair that I, well, I was in a wheelchair at the time, but the same end of the table, smiling with my doctor and my PTs and my OTs who helped me get, get through, you know, all this therapy and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that mindset, uh, it's, it's the perpetual mindset of also like, fuck you, I'm going to go do this and don't tell me no. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think we all have a little bit of that. I think just some of us can tap into it better than others can, whether because I, I can't describe why, but like you look at, I look at combat athletes and like guys who are like down in the third round and their face is bleeding and like that sort of thing. And I'm like, and then they come back in the fifth and win the fight. Right. Like yeah. that sort of thing. Um, I think I've always had that. I've had, like, I was, I was really skinny growing up, like I was skinny and tall. And I, I got into wrestling and I was like, I was always perpetual underdog, always underweight, always too tall, like always too weak. Um, but I still managed to like be, I hate referencing high school, but like still managed to be captains of the freshman JV and varsity team still managed to win city, like yeah. as a junior, like that sort of thing. Like that underdog mentality of that, like middle fingers blazing, fuck you, I'm going <laughs> to take your head off sort of thing. Like that's, that's stuck with me. That's stuck with me since I was probably like nine or 10. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, it's just mindset at the end of the day. So, so critical when dealing yeah. with trauma right? oh yeah I think too like especially yeah mindset and I think that too like recently I within the last probably two years I really got into like zen and meditation and, yeah. and really that was relatively new for me that was never I, I I always found that I had severe issues with coping mm -hmm. so it would kind of be all over the place right in terms of what would be the temporary fix for now um, yeah. and and same kind of thing of like oh, you know, the psychedelics are really, really fabulous in boosting up that dopamine and just a big dopamine dump and yeah. kind of, and having that as like my temporary thing. But once I really started to just change my mindset on like, no, I, I, I want to be here. Like I, I want to take every moment that I have and make it absolutely fucking awesome and insane and meaningful. I think that's where it became like, I want my, my, like my life to be impactful. So yeah. I agree with mindset a hundred percent. And, and I, right. I think it, it's such a powerful thing <laughs> when you are really in the throes of kind of life or death. And it's because I do feel like, and again, I'm just assuming, but when you're in that situation, if you do not come out of it walking, it almost feels like a, like a death sentence because what are you gonna do? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was so I was to be offered assisted suicide if I didn't improve within like a 12 hour window or something, like the first few days. And I've said this to my family, I've told this to everyone, I would have taken it. Yeah. 
I like it's like death is death at the end of the day, right? And we're all gonna die. And it just some of us die earlier than others and like not by choice sometimes. And if I were if if I were to be offered that, had I been offered that, like my parents were already making end of life plans like those first few days anyway. But um like if I had been if they had come up to me like, hey, like your condition is is really not gonna improve. Um, you know, there's really no hope here. Um, you know, do you would you want to die? I'm like, yeah, I want to die. Let's, let's go. You know, it's it's tragic, right? It's sad. It's like it's a little it's it's sad because of the people that it would inevitably affect. Yeah. Right. But if there was no other option, it is what it is. Yeah. And there's there's always another human to fill the spot, right? God, that is a harsh truth. Yeah. That's, a, that's a tough pill, but you're right. Like, I feel like, the, I think this is what I was most excited to chat with you about was just those realities and like, just really like, here's the pill. <laughs> I'm going to shove it down your throat. Yeah. And, and this is kind of how it is. And the, the cool thing though, for me is obviously I'm just coming into this now learning about you. And I, I had the, I have the luxury of looking back and, and imagining what that could have been like, but now mm. seeing you absolutely fucking just slaying life like you're climbing you are hiking you are doing all of these incredible things how has so I guess you were surfing there was jujitsu there was that whole background that was your love that was your passion yeah were you a little intimidated about like looking at going back into that or was that just like I will never ever return I need to focus on something else I will physically I knew from the get-go I'd physically never return to combat sports or jujitsu or anything of any kind um I had it in my mind that I may be able to return to surfing and then as I started to go through therapy and like learn more about my body and like my actual lack of strength um I realized surfing in the traditional sense, I would never do again. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a hard pill to swallow because surfing, I'd been surfing since I was five. Mm-hmm. Like my dad, from the time I was like five, would take us to the beach every weekend to go splash around in the water and push us into waves and stuff. Um, and so that was a hard, very, very hard pill to swallow. But um, I made a post back in July of 2019 Right. And Instagram, I'm sure, has been very good to you. Um, and it's been probably most of the time, right? There might be some negativity occasionally. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty gutted over that app, but that's a whole separate thing. Continue. Yeah. Um, Instagram for me and the social media for me has been like, I've catered it to be really positive and be, I'm really selective with what I let into my feeds and stuff. But, um, I am fortunate to have not only have created amazing friends here in Denver and Colorado, but I have an amazing friend group back in San Diego too. So I think like my support system has always been massive. I think part of that's, I I like to think I'm a good person most of the time. Um, But like, I think I've created all these deep relationships with people I know. And so I made a post in July of 2019 being like, I was sitting on my parents' balcony. I was like, guys, like I am so lost right now. Like 
I really want to get into athletics. I, I really want to get back to doing something like, but I don't know what that is. Right. And that just blew up. Like I had, I don't know, it was 20, 30 com uh, some, some amount of comments on the post. And then like, I had a bunch of people DM me and they're like, you can do this and this and this and blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, I had no idea. Like I knew about adaptive surfing. Right. And I, I knew about like adaptive skiing and stuff, which is really fucking expensive. But, um, I, it, there was one DM that stood out to me and her name is Jillian. I, I posted her portrait on my profile, like a while, like a few weeks ago. Um, and she goes, Hey, like, I think you'd be a great candidate to do like climbing like adaptive climbing. And I was like, I was like barely walk. I was like walking, but I wasn't walking the way I do now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, cool. Like, let's give it a go. Like I, I'm down to go rock climb. Um, and it was like the most miserable, once again, same thing with the jujitsu, most miserable two hours of my life. Yeah. And I was like, immediately, like, I, I think I did one and a half, like, or maybe two pitches of like 80 foot long climbs on the easiest stuff possible. Cut my hands up, blood everywhere. And I was just like, all right, I suck at this. <laughs> I think I need to get better at this. Like, um, <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. It's like, it's you, there's two, and then once again, people can be separated into two categories. It's like you either encounter something that's really hard that you want to try and you try and you're like, I don't want to do this. This is terrifying. Or you do that thing and it's like, oh, wow, I suck at this, but I have the opportunity to be, opportunity to be better, right? It's that like frame of mind. Yeah. Um, and I just, as soon as I got done with that, I just knew, I was like, I was like, I think I can get better at this and I think I can make a, like a life out of this, right? Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I was on, I was on a different, I was on a pretty big climbing podcast, but some total like climbing more or less saved my life because that summer I was going through severe bouts of depression and suicidal ideation. Um, that was mainly due to hormonal stuff that I had no idea was a thing until I did a bunch of research and then I had to advocate, advocate for myself. But, um, yeah, like because I found that I don't like the month prior, like I was at, down in Mexico with my, my dad and my brother. And like, we would go to these trophy truck races every summer. And, uh, I remember just standing on the edge of this like dirt road with trophy trucks passing by at 110 miles an hour. And I was just like, you know, what if I walk in front of that? It'll be over pretty quick. Right. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a heavy thing to say out loud. Um, but it's also just like, we've all been there. And yeah. so I can say it openly and like, all right, you know, like, yeah, I wanted to kill myself. Like, yeah. shit, sucks to say out loud, but I'm not the first one to say that. No. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to be the last one, that's for sure. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, climbing definitely saved my life. And then, um, fast forward another few months, I was like, I was fortunate to travel solo very often on my own dime, like from 2015 onward. Um, and I was like, all right, I got to prove to myself that I can go travel solo. So I booked a one-way ticket to Hanoi and Vietnam. 
um, stayed there. And then I actually ended up climbing out there. I climbed outdoors for the first time ever in Cot Ba, Vietnam, overlooking the ocean and like, you know, Ponga, like just the most stunning setting, right? Uh, um, and I was like, bled everywhere again, cut myself open, couldn't like move my body for two days after. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna keep making this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I decided right then and there, I was like, I was like, I'm not ready to go back to work. I'm not ready to move out just yet, but like, I'm gonna make this a priority as soon as I get like life priorities in check, right? Mm -hmm. So job, housing, food. Um, and yeah, I ended up like, I was like, well, I can't, I don't wanna live in San Diego anymore because I can't surf by myself. Like I can't do jujitsu. Like it's, it's kind of painful to be here. Yeah. And I don't want to go to brunch every Sunday and get drunk anymore. Like, that's not fun. Uh, well, okay, hold on. <laughs> I feel like in under the right circumstances, it could be if it's endless bottomless mimosas for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I went to San Diego State, which was a big party school. And then gotcha. like South San Diego is a big party area. Mm. So like I kind of burned out on that. Yeah. pretty like right we around need a new change of scenery like quick. yeah yeah and so having lived in denver during my inpatient stay and having gone like i stayed an extra month so i stayed four months total and and i lived on my own i i did all my own pt like each day i actually went on dates in a wheelchair hey. that was a, um that was really cool uh and i just i went kept coming back to, I came back to Denver in August before I went to Vietnam to get like checkups. And then I came back again in October to get tattooed. And I would remember being here in October in 2019, like driving my ranch to the car and being like, it's like dumping snow. I was like, I don't have a fucking idea where I am. Like, I don't know what's going on. I know like two people here. I was like, I think I need to move here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. It's like, you know what? I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to like, I'm going to make it my new thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, well, it's the classic like coming of age post-grad. Yeah. Like if you go to school, like post-grad, like leaving the nest, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and that was just Denver was, has been that for me. Um, and I, I, I knew I was like, as soon as I get to Denver and I'm working, I'm going to make climbing like a full-time thing. I'm in, and I'm going to start hiking again when I can. Um, and I just uh, attacked it like January, 2020, like just started flailing on all the walls. And like, I made a beautiful community of friends through it. And who I hang out with very, very often. I'll see them tomorrow even like, yeah. um, yeah, it's been a godsend, but like, I think my situation is also very unique. Like I'm literally the only one, only male that I, literally only male with quadriplegia climbing in the world. Like properly like lead climbing and climbing outside. I'm the only one. That is fucking incredible. Yeah. That um, is insane. Because, because the issue with quadriplegia is, uh, you either lose too much hand function or leg function, or you just don't have enough strength. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm the only one. There's there's one other woman out of Kentucky, um, and she's like an adaptive champion, but her injury is lower. So because my injury is actually so high, 
despite like looking pretty strong, like I'm not, <laughs> like I'm yeah. probably 50% of what I was strength wise. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm literally the only, I, there may be one other guy. Like there's been like somebody, somebody's like hinted at it to me through DMs on Insta, but I've tried to find him and like anything on him. Like you, there's nothing there. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm the only guy with quadriplegia in the world climbing at the level I do. Like with proper spinal cord injury, quadriplegia and stroke. Um, so that's, that's a cool little feather in the cap, so to speak. Yeah. And then I'm one of two individuals. The other, I always reference him because he's a huge inspiration to me. His name's Ed Jackson. Um, one of two with spinal cord injury to go above 14,000 feet on foot. So um, I did that. I did that for the first time last August and I'll do it again this August. I'll do it twice, actually. Um, yeah, no biggie, you know, just twice. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, that's been really, that's, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been, it's been really cool. Um, well, you worked for that. Do you know what I mean? Like you are able to look at that and be like, I started here literally rock bottom, maybe yeah. even a little bit below rock bottom. And you <laughs> crawled, you fucking crawled. And you, then you walked and then you fucking climbed like that. You came out of that. And to me, I'm inspired. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, if anything, this just makes me go, I, I need to be doing, first of all, I need to be doing more. I'm not doing enough. And in a yeah. good way. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And I've, I've said this, I've said this to, uh, who's this, a buddy of mine, who's an ultra runner. He ran across, uh, America in, 78 days, completely vegan, completely plant-based, right? And so we met through a mutual connection and uh, he also just set the fastest known time, 98 miles on the Central Park Loop in like 17 or 18 hours or something ridiculous. Um, but I told him and I'll tell you, like even being like one of one and like one of two with certain things, I'm like, like I still feel that I don't have a body of work worth like betting on yet like i don't know there's this weird thing in me where i'm like i have to do my whitney project in august like i have another project at the end of august which i haven't shared publicly um and i'm, I'm not going to share it right now that's well, i'm doing that simply for like the joy of it um and then i'm just going to be like haha fuck all of you we did this <laughs> and then we'll be like oh shit yeah first, first yeah, first ascent of a certain mountain. Um, yeah. Or, or first paralyzed ascent of a certain mountain. There's been adaptive ascents of it, but. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel like yeah, the biggest I, thing, like the biggest driving factor is for you to be able to go up after and be like, fuck everybody that said I couldn't do it or didn't think I could or put these, you know, kind of roadblocks in my way. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have a running list of people in my head that have said, no, you shouldn't do that, or you can't do that, or maybe you should pump the brakes on it. Tag Name them to... in that post, please. Yeah. <laughs> and you get I... a straight tag on that post. No, I see, yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like friends of mine too, right? Yeah. And it's family members and, and stuff like that. And I like, I have my dad, my, my dad's not on the list anymore. He was at one point, but like, <laughs> 
in 2017, 2018, I knew I wanted to go into real estate. And my dad's like, why are we putting you through school to like get a $400 real estate license? And like, like, this is a waste of time, like focus on school. And I was like, no, fuck you. Like, I'm going to go do this. (laughs) And uh, yeah, my parents were like, my parents are divorced. Both sides were livid. And, uh, you know, six months later, I'm making a bunch of money working part-time and they're like, oh, fuck, we were wrong, wrong weren't we? And I was like, yeah. And then like, I walked, I, I posted this the other day on my stories, but March 6th, 2019, I walked across the bridge to Independence and Craig Hospital. Mm-hmm. And that was my big goal. I was like, I'm going to walk across this bridge because there's so much symbolism behind it. Yeah. Um, and my dad like wrote it down in our journal and stuff. And I remember that at the end of the day, he was like, I will never doubt you again. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a long list of people. And like, I know like people mean well, right? Yeah, but, I was just going to say like, does it come from a place of just concern? Like most of the time, like. Place of concern, a place of fear and a place of, well, could I do that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's people, you look at things, you can just name some famous entrepreneur that like and it's like oh yeah like my family told me to never go do this and like yada 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 and look I'm a fucking billionaire now sort of thing like that that classic uh that classic narrative of like I want to prove people wrong yeah I I have that very deeply the middle fingers come blazing out that's my new favorite thing i want like a a tattoo of that of just like middle fingers blazing out i love that yeah i I know i need to i i've been meaning to get tattooed i need another paycheck uh, (laughs) oh i know that life yeah yeah um no i can't that oh switching complete topics my van took way too much of my money and so um, that's okay like you are in a van too like which is so like are you in it full-time part-time type living like what's what's the situation I use it so it's my weekend rate it's my primary vehicle it's a sprinter 170 um but it's a pass it's a passenger van so it has all the windows so I've literally made every single fucking mistake on this van that you could possibly make like I've made all of them. I've bought like $3,000 worth of wood and didn't use any of it or like oh, use, wow. cut it and then like tore it all out again. Like yeah. I, I, I've lost way too much money on this van. And like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I just have to finish the ceiling. Like the electrical's done I, and put the plumbing in. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like, I'm like, I just don't care at this point. I'm like, all right, I have electric. I have a fan. Like my bed's really comfortable. I'm, I'm like, no, oh, the foam, the foam in the ceilings kind of looks industrial. Like I'm just going to leave it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think you just got to send it at one point, right? It's just like, you just got to fucking send it. If it's functional, if it's going to get you through, like yeah. What other purpose is there to like, you got the electrical and plumbing done and that's already like, you are worlds away and ahead yeah. from like where I'm at. Yeah. You're on number two, right? Number two, dose. Yeah. 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 See, your, yours probably will look way more beautiful. Mine's just like standard CNC wood. And then like, yeah. we fucking piece together the walls haphazardly. <laughs> um, like it looks, it looks better than it did when I got it. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, yeah, I, I lived in it in April when I was in between jobs. Um, yeah. I did this massive trip from Moab to San Diego. Impulse bought my friend Impulse bought me a plane ticket to Maui because he lives out there. Oh wow! Um, and he, he's like one. He's paralyzed as well. Um, and we spent about a week in Maui, and then I came back and I drove the van up to alabama hills to go do some just visualization on mount whitney which i'll be doing later this year yeah and then up to tahoe and then up to yosemite oh that yosemite is like bucket list city (laughs) for me i mean so squamish and Banff for me and british columbia yeah i've been like my bucket list spots originally british columbia for surf um but now it's for climbing yeah um can I tell you something? Yeah. You have to keep it between you and I. You can't tell anybody. I obviously live in Canada. Yeah. Never been to Banff. Really? Never, ever, never been. Bucket list, of course, bucket list city. But uh, <laughs> I have to live through the experiences of others. I live vicariously through people that live in BC <laughs> and live in yeah. Alberta. And I'm like, God damn, kind of embarrassing that I live here and I haven't gone. But that's just between us, obviously, just between us. Uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um but yeah i'll live out of the van like i'm going to salt lake this this weekend to go do um paraclimbing nationals will be my first competition post-injury which is really rad um i'd like to win but i don't have a fucking idea who's going to be in my category and like the range of disabilities is so broad yeah um especially with like neuro stuff yeah and then late september to October. So I go to California every single month at the end of the month for work, um, mm-hmm. for like three to four days. So like I'll be living in the van proper in Yosemite in October. Um, and I'll just work out of the Valley there. Um, and then climb on the weekends and afternoons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of, that's the forecast right now. Um, yeah. in terms of van living at least. So yeah. That'll be, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Looking I feel like you, sorry, go go, <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like you've really like taken a situation and just totally morphed it into, I guess, the most that you can get out of it. And I, I'm reading, there was something that you had written on, it was actually one of your notes I was reading behind you and it was let go of your able-bodied past. Yeah. Yeah. And, love, and love your current body and self. That is just that in itself is like that that feels like loss. That's like loss. That is literally like losing someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's still parts of that person in me. Like it, when, I, when I go to San Diego, my like accent and like my vocabulary totally completely changes. changes. Yeah like compared to how I talk out here because it's just very Southern California and very surf oriented. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wrote the, the let go of your able-bodied past and, and love your current body and self. That was October 29th, 2020 last year. Cause That's I put, put the dates on them and then like, That's smart too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Kind of nice insight, right? To like where where you were at in that moment of time where you you had that realization of 
we have to like, let go. And again, I feel like that's really hard. That's all part of the trauma, right? Is like, you yeah. are having to learn to just be okay with, you have to accept how things are. It yeah. is life altering. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, my, probably my favorite one is actually yeah. like in this corner, I was watching a skate video. Um, I have some friends that are kind of in like the content producing space and like our friends with a lot of professional athletes. Um, I, I have the coolest fucking friends. Um, if you, if you ever come to the States and you want to meet cool people, just DM me. My God. Yes. Don't even don't tease me. I, I need that. I have really rad friends, but, um, (laughs) this professional female skateboarder, her name's Nora Vasconcelos. And I was watching her, uh, skate park. She's like pretty punk. Like she's just a badass woman. And in her, in one of the, like the between, like between scenes, she's, they were talking about like skating and like earning her right as a professional skater. And she's like, I'm willing to bleed for this. And I was like, that's the most badass fucking thing somebody could say. And then like, now I took that into my own, like now when I go climb and hike, like even today, like I bleed every, like I bleed because I either fall or like you know, I, yeah, I fall basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I always tell tell my friends, I'm like, yeah, if I'm not bleeding during a session, it's not a good session. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, today it was funny today. I was hiking and I took a fall and like some rocks and like scrambling oh. and like everyone panicked behind me. Cause I was going like one mile an hour and, uh, I get to the top of this, of this mountain basically. And <laughs> this woman comes up to me and she's like, oh my God, you're bleeding everywhere. Like, here's a Band-Aid. And I was like, I was like, oh, I bleed all the time. Like, I'll just rub some dirt on it and take a taste of it, wipe it on my face and we'll be on our merry way. <laughs> um, yeah, like when, whenever I go, like, if I start bleeding when I'm climbing or hiking, I'll just fucking, I literally will just make war paint on my face. I'm like, all right, I'll keep going. Yeah, I feel like that it's part of it. That's also the mentality, right? That's the mindset of like get yeah. fucking through it. Yeah, just it's just there was another this was a recent saying I picked up on um it was just like go numb. Like when you're just working so hard, just go numb. And like that's what I like today I, I was like I got to the top of this mountain basically and I was like kind of making my way down and like rocks, like rocks are really hard for me because of like yeah. the looseness or like, because it's not flat ground. And so it really slows me down. I was like in a lot of pain. I was like, all right, just go numb, just go numb, just go numb, just like turn on your music and go numb. And that's what I did. I just went numb for the next two hours, basically, of, of hiking. Um, so fucking hardcore. <laughs> I, I like it's not you know i'm sitting here and i'm like that is so fucking awesome like yeah. but I, I you know then you have to kind of realize like well yeah i mean that's part of what you are overcoming like every single fucking day you are like proving everyone wrong that's how I yeah think. yeah and i think if we kind of go towards the social media aspect right like you i i checked all your pages like you're running one with a mil plus, million plus right yeah. And then you have your own page with 1516 yeah. and then you have another page with five, five, right. Yeah. Which is like, that's a lot of fucking people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this weird thing where, and I think, especially given your following is much bigger. I think I would imagine you are very conscious 
of what you share and our post. One, because there's an aesthetic to keep, right? Part of it. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's just standard marketing, right? It's like, hard though. Like it's, it's hard good. because you don't feel like it's, it's, it's authentic. It's like, how can I get across how I'm feeling in a way that's not going to fucking piss people off, but it's also not going to miss the mark completely. And it's going to be like, uh, not only do I, I, I'm validating how people are feeling, but they can yeah. resonate with it. You know what I mean? But anyways, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's an, it's an interesting game to play. Right. And I, I have this thing where if I look at my own page itself, I, I just, I branded paralyzed to peaks kind of like mid last year. Yeah. Uh, it was actually an idea from our Whitney project that somebody else came up with. And he's like, dude, this is too good. You like, you got to take this. Take and, run it. It. and I was like, yep, yep. You're right. Um, I was trying to do like the whole landscape photography thing and like that, that play um, and like my page between the climbing, the landscape stuff between last year and now probably grew like, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 people, which is yeah. weird. Um, and I'm still, I don't have like a following, like it's less than 4K. I, I, my friend's like, you're an influencer. You get, free, you get free shit all the time. You get hit up by people. I'm like, yeah, no. um but it's 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 this weird thing of like I want to keep it as raw as possible and when you keep it as like the way the way you and I are talking right now you understand where it comes from now right you have a, a you have a general feeling and understanding of why I talk the way I do and like where the mindset comes from yeah but now trying to keep that rawness within a public within a public dialogue yeah is much more difficult right because i know i know at some point i'm gonna piss somebody the fuck off of course and i just know it's gonna happen i know it's gonna happen because like just with the way things are going right now um with media that we have spinned up i have a ton of we have the news in san diego newspapers we have fucking we have a lot of people like ready to share the Whitney story and, and yeah. hoping all go, it will go well. And I'm not, I'm not hoping it will. Um, but with that, like, it's not like a 15 minutes of fame thing, but it's a more eyes thing that like, I like to talk shit and I will talk shit. And like, even today I was like, I was like, don't like, I don't ask, I don't like, I don't ask you why you're a fat fuck. I don't ask. Oh my God. I watched that and I fucking died. I died because it was just like, (laughs) it's like, just mind your business. Yeah. I I don't ask you why you're geriatric as fuck and have (laughs) shitty knees. Like, I don't like, that's not my business. Like, I don't, am I judging you in my head? Maybe occasionally, but for the most part, like, you're you're doing the same thing I'm doing like go fuck yourself mind your own business Uh, and stuff like that like where I'm like super passionate and like intense like I know at some point it's gonna someone's gonna get angry right right and yeah so it's that's the whole interesting thing with social media and and like catering and I think Cause I look, there's somebody that who will remain nameless, who won't, I won't even describe, but I've watched this person create climbing videos 
um, and he serves a certain niche demographic. Um, and that niche demographic is a very predominant demographic in the States, right? Um, and so his page, him and I were on a, a podcast around the same time that has, blo has blown up since then. Um, and his page, you know, I'm sub 4K, he's at like 20K now, right? And like, I don't like, I, he, he did the marketing thing really well without realizing it. Yeah. But it was just like, but the, the niche that he's in is so predominant in the States that it hit a mark. And so like, I'm like looking at myself, I'm like, all right, well, I'm one of one in climbing. <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool, but that's not going to resonate with people. Mm -hmm. uh, my disabled demographic, that's still a really small demographic. Yeah. Like, um, so then I'm like, I guess I got to go down the David Goggins route and talk a lot of shit. <laughs> a lot, apparently. And that's kind of like, yeah. that's where the writing comes in, right? It's like, yeah. it's really raw. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens with that stuff. And we'll see kind of how it plays out from like, because my, my end goal, like I have it on my door over there. I'm like, I want to be either a Patagonia North Face athlete or like a lost a lost sportiva athlete um of some sort and i want to be paid to go do these exp expeditions with other adaptive athletes right yeah. and the money it's not for the money it's because yeah. we're just pursuing possible yeah. and i think that's the coolest thing and the other uh, we can we'll, we can kind of cap it here and like kind of switch subjects subjects after this but we're just focused on social media. The one thing I have right issue I have right now within the, the, the outdoor industry as a whole, right? There's this massive narrative to include people of different genders, of different races, of different, races, of different sexual orientations, right? But if you look within each of those genres, and this is, this is coming from my own personal experience, having dealt with brands, having conversations, applying for grants and scholarships, um, disabled athletes as a whole have to go do some massive like event of some sort that is more or less deemed virtually impossible within their subset to even be considered for any sort of sponsorship, right? Like big sponsorship. But if you fall within those other demographics of like BIPOC, LGBTQ, what may have you, you can simply exist and try, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying this from personal experience and I'm sure it's it'll be controversial, but I, I shared this to close friends. I was like, you can simply exist and try yeah. and do the standard thing because the narrative is there. But with a, with a disabled athlete, right? That narrative isn't quite there and so you have to go do some monumental event to get any sort of recognition and I can point to several athletes that I know that are disabled that have sponsorships now but had they not done this one thing the monumental thing the monumental thing they wouldn't, wouldn't they no they wouldn't be where they are 
Um, and that's that's been my grinding my years quite a bit around the the narratives of social media and, and in inclusivity and stuff. So yes. um, I think that's important. Like, I think that's really important to shed a light on because honestly, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. And it's not your job to have any idea, right? But it's because you would you you're not in my shoes, right? So you're not seeing what I see and, and vice versa. I as a dude do not under here's a classic example. I as a man do not understand what it's like to walk down a dark street at night and have somebody follow me, right? Yeah. It's the same, same narrative, different situation. Right. And yeah. I I would never know. Yeah. I've gotten away with quite a bit of shit in foreign countries at 1 a.m. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which wouldn't necessarily be the same had the roles been reversed. But that's, it, the, yeah, you wouldn't, you, when you're not looking for it, right? When you're not aware, you don't know to look. You don't know to ask those questions. You don't know to like, you know, do some it's, research. It's not, and, and piggybacking off of that, Yeah, everyone is ignorant, right? Yeah. And it's not, it's, you pick and choose your battle of what you choose to be ignorant on and what you choose not to be ignorant on whether that's through exposure to things or you just have no fucking idea yeah right like i'm i have a passion towards disabled athletes specifically spinal cord injuries and like getting them out to climb if i'm being totally candid like yeah. i don't care about the lgbtq narrative i think i want inclusivity i want people like those like those people out there i think it's great i think it's phenomenal but that's not my passion. So right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go fight for that thing or, and go fight for these 12 other things. Right. Cause every, there's this narrative of, well, we have to care about everyone and everything and everything all the time. And it's like, no, like we don't like, I don't, I just don't, I'm sorry. I live in my own world and yeah. occasionally I'll come out of it to go learn about somebody else's world. For sure. But, but we're all inherently selfish, whether we like it or not. It's so true though. <laughs> yeah. God. So much for taking the time to chat with me yeah of course I'm so excited to see everything that you're doing I'm like now I I mean if you don't feel like you had a follower base before I mean I'm gonna be coming in like full fucking force so I'm for sorry sure. in advance yeah. um but uh thank you and I hope you have a fabulous night and I'll message you when this is coming out it'll be coming out within the next week or two so yeah you will be sent everything and you can like do whatever you want with it so for sure. No, I appreciate it, Chris. Um, yeah, just keep, keep me in the loop. And um, yeah, I mean, we've shared an intimate conversation. So I'm not, don't be a stranger, please. Like, God, no, no, that's, see, this is the mistake you've made. Right. <laughs> the mistake is that now yeah. I'm like, I'm here and it's going to be a little weird. So no, thank it's all you. Good. It's all good. <laughs> I'll I appreciate chatting. the conversation with you too and asking all sure. the questions and stuff and just allowing me to ramble. I love it. <laughs> Hey, I love it. It's nice when the, the tables can turn and people don't have to listen to me rambling anymore. So thank you for giving everyone a break. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Hey, All right. I will chat with you. Sounds good. Chastin, have a good week. You too. Bye-bye.